this morning. And um, still in the Christmas story, we celebrate Christmas. Hope you, everyone had a Merry Christmas and a Happy Christmas and had a great time with their families and got everything that you wanted and all those good things. Uh, we had a great time with our family. And uh, Jade and I, we had uh, read Luke chapter 2. We do that every year. Luke chapter 2, this Christmas story is told in Matthew 1 and 2 and Luke 1 and 2. And there's always, there's a passage that we're going to look at today that's always fascinated me um, about two individuals in the Christmas story. They were elderly, older people. Um, and uh, as I get older, as uh, still a young guy, what I like to say, but as I get older, I'm a grandparent now, so I'm thinking differently. I've noticed I've entered the granddad stage or the poppy is what I'm known as and and uh, so thinking differently so this story really came alive to me this year like it never has before and we're going to look at that here in just a second and the title of this message I entitled it waiting well and I'm going to tell you what I, I'm just going to tell off on myself real quick I do not wait well how many of you in here wait well okay you're in church so don't lie all right good I'm in good company. I don't wait well. In fact, the Lord tested me on the way to church this morning. Uh, Jade and I were running a little bit behind, so I was going, I'm just going to confess, going a little bit over the speed limit, and I'm coming through Hammond, and somebody uh, was turning, making a left turn. This is my pet peeve. Making a left turn, nobody's coming for miles. You can see for miles up here. And, and they, they stop in that, instead of getting over, because they know I'm back there, instead of getting, Travis knows what I'm talking about, and saying, yeah. And so I was about to take the bar ditch and, you know, and give that look. You got to do the look, you know, when you drive by somebody. And I'm thinking, well, I'm going to church this morning. Can't do that. And so I was a good boy and just let it, you know, and I was like, they came to a complete stop and then did a left-hand turn. And I'm like, you got to be kidding. There's nobody coming for miles. Y'all are holding me up. And the Lord just convicted me and said, Mark, you do not wait well. You're teaching on waiting well, and you do not wait well. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, Lord, I'm sorry. I, forgive me. So I already, already had to repent coming to church this morning. But when I was, I was looking up this, the, this was interesting to me because in the Christian life, what we do is a lot of waiting in our journey with the Lord. There's a lot of waiting. And I'm going to talk about there's seasons where we wait, and I'm going to call that the little W, okay? There's seasons where we're waiting on answers to prayers, um, you know, open doors, because this is the year of the open door, whatever it is that we're waiting on, promises of God to come to pass. And so there's those little W's, but then there's the big W out here, because I told you I was going to be teaching, trying to use the last Sunday of every month to teach on the end times. So as a Christian, as a believer, we're all waiting on the big W, which is Christ's return, his second coming. Amen? And so we're, I'm going to talk a little bit about both today. But whenever I was you know, thinking about as a Christian that we spend a lot of our journey with the Lord, our walks with God, waiting upon Him, and um, He's really waiting upon us to get it right. You know, I think there's a lot of that that goes on, and so I was I was uh, looking up about waiting and how much we spend our time waiting, and this is what I found out. And I, I told Jade, I was like, I don't know who waited around to find out how you, these these stats I'm going to share with you, but somebody had to wait a long time to get these stats. So we've spent about half of our life waiting. We have, we have waiting rooms, waiting lines. We have to wait to be seated when we go to a restaurant or we wait on the phone to speak to it. If you're like me, I wait on the phone to speak to a live person. Amen. 
and I'll sit there and shout, representative, 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 until I get, I, like, I don't know if y'all are like me. I'm not, I, I'm not a very patient person. Um, to speak to a live person, on average, listen to this, on average, we spend six months sitting at stoplights in our lifetimes. And we spend over five years waiting in lines. If you think when you sum it all up. I don't know who came up with that stat and how long they had to wait around to figure that out. But that's what I found out. You can Google that if you want to check me out. And so we have sayings which we, we all hear and we all use. Good things come to those who wait. Some things are worth waiting for. If good things come to those who wait, is there anything you would be willing to wait your entire life for is my question this morning to all of us. If good things come to those who wait, is there anything you would be willing to wait your entire life for? And it would have to be something really good, right? So we're going to look at somebody in Scripture in Luke chapter 2. And it's two elderly people in Scripture, and they waited on someone. And that someone was Jesus, and it was well worth their wait. And when I was studying this, and this morning, I got up early this morning, kind of what I do on Sunday mornings, I'll get up early, go over my message, and and everything, and pray, and I got up this morning, I was reading back over Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 38, is what we're going to look through, look at this morning, in the, you know, in the Christmas story, you have Mary, Joseph, shepherds, you think about everybody in the Christmas story, and um, I never had thought about this, about, you know, Jesus' grandparents, which would have been Mary's parents, Joseph's parents, if they were still alive, I mean, the scripture, whatever it is, tell us. And the Lord said, well, Mark, the two that I'm going to have you teach on today, I consider them my grandparents because they blessed me as a little baby. And it just really touched me when the Lord shared that with me because it made me think about Jada or Taya sent us uh, some pictures of Jaden, or not Jaden, of, of Jarek when he was born. And up to now, he's four and a half right now. And, and I can remember him getting here because he was my first grandchild. Him getting here, I had to wait nine months. And, I, and I'm telling you, that nine months seemed like eternity. And then he finally got here, and these four and a half years have just flown by. And I can't believe he's already four and a half, and he's back here in the back, and he's talking in complete sentences, and he's so smart and, and just a, a good little boy. And um, I love him dearly. And it just brought, it just, this story just really hits home being a grandparent this morning. Can you tell I'm all soft this morning? <laughs> I'm a big old softie. All right, Luke chapter 2, verse 25. Luke chapter 2, verse 25, and I'm going to put them up here on the screen for you. If you brought your Bibles, you can turn to them as well. Turn here as well or your smartphones. It says, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. So we're going to talk, he's one of them we're going to talk about, Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. Everybody say waiting. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So the Holy Spirit had spoken to him that you're not going to see death before you see the Lord's Christ or the Messiah. And he came in the Spirit into the temple and whom the parents brought in the, whom the, parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. In verse 28, he says, He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you're, lift, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation." that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them, and then he said to Mary, he had this prophetic word for Mary, his mother, 
Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. So he was already prophesying to her about the cross, basically, is what he was talking about. In verse 36, and there was a prophetess, Anna, so Simeon and Anna, Anna's the second one, and there was a prophetess named Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was, uh, when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting. Everybody say waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So both of them, when I was studying this and reading this story about Simeon and Anna, both of them had the word waiting in it. Both of them had waited for the Messiah to show up at the temple. And so we're going to be learning about waiting well from Simeon and Anna. And so I'm going to give you a little history here about Simeon and Anna so you can understand these characters, that were these real people that we're studying about today. In... Uh, Simeon, the Bible says, what we just read, that he lived in Jerusalem, which in that day Jerusalem was, was like the epicenter of everything happening over in the Middle East, still is to this day. His name was Simeon, which means God has heard. And I'm going to tell you a little nugget here if you're taking notes. And by the way, if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you seven things here in a little bit about waiting well from this story. But um, his name was Simeon, which means God has heard. And to wait well, listen to this, this is a little nugget today. To wait well, you need to have heard God. Because when you've really heard God, you'll be able to wait well. And wait patiently. Because it's through faith and patience that you inherit the promises of God. Tradition tells us, now the scripture doesn't come out and tell us, but you have to trust your pastor studying. Tradition says that at this time, Simeon was 113 years old. So he'd been waiting a long time. We don't really, this Bible doesn't tell us, you know, when this was spoke to him, but the Holy Spirit, we can say that he's been waiting quite a while. The Holy Spirit said, you're not going to die before you see the Messiah. He had this prophetic word from God that he was holding on to, and the Bible says that the Spirit was the one that brought him to the temple that day, and he got to see Jesus. So then he, he in the, you know, the, the prophetic word had come to pass. So tradition says he was 113. Some spiritual characteristics of Simeon was it says that he was just and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Consolation means comfort, the comfort of Israel, not the, not the overthrow of Rome. And I'm going to talk about that here in just a second, but for the comforting of Israel. And this theme is found because there's a backstory to this. Simeon and Anna understood scripture. And so this theme of the consolation of Israel is found in Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. Actually, chapters 40 through 66. So that theme is all through there. They understood this, and I'll tell you why here in just a second. And then the Bible says that the Holy Spirit was upon him. And he's a man in the Old Testament. He's not, it's not, this is a, isn't after Pentecost. This was an Old Testament saint that had the Holy Spirit upon him. So that's a little history backdrop of who Simeon is, this character, Simeon. And then there's Anna. Anna her name was Anna, which means God's grace. And here's another little nugget that you might want to write down. To wait well, you need God's grace. 
got to have the grace of God if you're going to wait well. Um, the Bible says that she was a prophetess. So here's the deal. Women can be used in ministry as well. Amen. And it's all through Scripture. I don't see how anybody can't say it's in the Old Testament and the New Testament. She was a prophetess. The Bible specifically says, and this is when I was telling you about using the last Sunday of teaching on the end times. This is another end times thing here. It says the Bible says that she was of the tribe of Asher. The reason why it points that out is because Asher was supposedly one of the ten lost tribes of Israel. And let me tell you something. God hasn't lost any of his tribes. They're all there. They may be in remnant form, but they're there. This tribe of Asher was there in Jerusalem at the time of his birth. Wasn't lost. Everybody said amen to that. Okay. So, and then the Bible says that she was very old. Now, from Scripture, there's two interpretations of this. She was either 84 or she could have been 104. I mean, because most in, in Jewish culture, when a, a girl was usually married was when she was 13. That's when she became a woman. And she was married at the age of 13, a virgin for seven years, meaning she was married for seven years till 20, and then the 84. So when you, when you add all that up, it can be in 104. So regardless, 84, 104, I'm not going to split any hairs over that, okay? She's old. <laughs> She's old, okay? She is old. And, and so I just, she waited a long, and I'm, what I'm trying to get across to all of us today is she waited a long time for this. And the Bible also points out that she was a widow. Now, I know there's some in here, you know, the holidays always bring up, and it does in our household as well, because we had a son that passed away in 1998 when he was 18 months old. And so every holiday, and I got to minister to some every, it seems like every season that comes around, Thanksgiving and Christmas, Jed and I get to minister to a family or somebody that has lost a loved one. And this happened again several times this this year, you know, people losing loved ones right around the holidays, or and and it's, and it's hard and it's tough, and to go through that. And the Bible says that she was a widow. Now, let me tell you about this though. About sorrow, a little teaching, a little side note here about sorrow and sadness. Sorrow can cause you to be bitter or better. And Anna chose better. And sorrow can cause your faith to be spoiled or cause your faith to take deeper root. And Anna chose to go deeper with God. She responded well. Listen to this. She responded well to the trials in her life. She didn't sign up for that. But the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust and we live in a fallen world. But she chose right. She responded to God right during her sorrow. Anna chose the better path and was a witness of God's grace in her life. Um, <laughs> this kind of, the Bible says that she stayed in, it's like she stayed in the temple all the time, and she fasted and prayed, and I was studying, and I was like, surely she didn't stay at church all the time, you know. And uh, I was like, maybe, did they have a little room set aside for her, God? I mean, did they have DoorDash in Jerusalem at that time <laughs> so that she could eat? I mean, I know that she didn't fast for 84 years. Uh, she had to eat somewhere in there. And, uh, but all we know about her is she, she, was in, she was in church all the time. I just want to tell you that. Anytime the doors were open, she was there. And she was fasting and praying and waiting on the Messiah. Now, another little tidbit about Simeon and Anna. Because um, I, I was studying them, because I really dig, dug deep into this, guys. And I was like, okay, Lord, how, how did they know and... I know that, you know, your word says the Holy Spirit told Simeon 
Anna knew. She's a prophetess. I know she hears you as well. And, um, and as I was studying this, I went to a, I found a rabbi that was teaching on this, this passage of Scripture. A rabbi is a Jewish person, a Jewish priest. And um, he said that Simeon and Anna were of a remnant in Israel at that time called the quiet in the Lord. Everybody say the quiet in the Lord. And this really resonated with me because at, at the time that Jesus came, there was, there, all the Jewish people were believing for the Messiah to show up. But a lot of them had misinterpreted Isaiah, and they were looking for a king to come back and kick booty and take over Rome. That's what they were waiting on. And Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, is saying, that's not how I'm coming the first time. The first time I'm coming as a suffering servant, and I'm coming for the, the you know, for Jews and Gentiles alike, and I'm going to go to a cross and die for people's sins and ro- raise again on the third day. And so Simeon knew this from the prophet Isaiah, and I believe that Anna did as well. And so there was a remnant of Jewish people. in there, They weren't, I don't think it was a, a large group, but there was a remnant, just like there's a remnant today, waiting upon the return of the Lord. There was a remnant that was waiting on his first coming that understood how he was going to come the first time. And he wasn't going to come as a ruling, reigning king. He was going to come as a suffering servant. And Simeon understood that. And if you'll go back and read that prophetic word that he gave to Mary and Joseph, he understood that. And he understood that from Scripture. So it's important that we have a right interpretation of Scripture. Amen? Because there was a lot of people that missed him the first time. And so, but they they understood who he was. Now, as I was studying this, I thought, Lord, what is the point in having Simeon and Anna wait all that time on the Lord? Other than you needing grandparents, okay? <laughs> you know? um, and you wanted them to bless you and kiss your little your little baby face when you was born. Um, and I was, and this is where I, I learned this from this rabbi as well. Uh, what's the point in having Simeon and Anna wait on the Lord for that long? We know Anna waited a long time. We we. We can interpret through Scripture. It implies that Simeon waited a long time. And here it is. It's Deuteronomy 19, verse 15, and it's called the Law of Witnesses. This is a Law of Witnesses, and it says, Only on the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses shall a charge be established. And so in Scripture, when you read the Christmas story, there was actually three witnesses. Outside of Mary and Joseph, there was three witnesses. There were the shepherds, and then there was Simeon and Anna were the three witnesses that the Messiah has been born. And so, what are it, every one of us in here are waiting for the big W, right? Waiting on the Lord's return, the second coming. And it's going to happen soon, and I believe it's sooner. Every day we're getting closer, and we, everybody needs to be ready. And we need to be getting our families ready, and everybody needs to be ready for that day. But a lot of us in here are in seasons of the, what I call the small W's. We all are. If you're walking with the Lord, you're in small W's where we're waiting on the Lord. And, you know, there's seasons of waiting, and we just go through it. It's, it's cyclical. It's like farming. You know, you plant the seed, you wait till harvest time. And so we're all experiencing those where we're sowing, reaping, all those things are going on. But I'm going to tell you, and if you, if you don't get anything out of this mess, I know some of you are going to leave. I can't believe I've waited five years in lines. I know some of you are going to leave here with that, that revelation. But this is the revelation I want you to leave here with today, okay? Is that the reason you and I are waiting on the Lord right now, whatever it is you're waiting on and for, is so that you can be a witness of him. 
so you can be a witness. And so you can share whatever that is that you're waiting on with someone else. And it points them to Jesus. So when he shows up, so when he shows up and answers your prayer or whatever you're waiting on, then you're able to share your testimony and lead somebody else to Jesus. And I can't tell you how many times Jade and I have done that with our story. You have a story too. It may not be my story, but you have a story too. We've been able to share our story about Jaden. I don't know how many times, over and over, in a book, because we waited upon, we were like Anna. Did we do everything right? No way, Jose, and we'll tell you that. But we was like Anna. We chose God in the midst of all of it. So we don't understand this, Lord. Didn't sign up for this. Don't have no reason why. Still don't have no reason why. And, uh, but God, here's the deal. We trust you that you see the big, because God sees the big picture. And he's only let us see a little small part. Everybody said, but I know by faith that we're all going to be together one day in heaven and have the biggest family reunion. We're going to be forever. We're going to be forever together for eternity. Amen, because that's what the word says. If you came to church and that's all you got, you came to church today and you got something. Amen. All right, but I'm going to give you seven things real quickly this morning. Um, first of all, I'm going to tell you three myths about waiting. We're going to talk about three myths and three truths. So here's some myths about waiting. Myth one, two, and three is waiting is passive. It's never passive. There's always things that you're doing and active. Waiting is purposeless? Nope. Waiting is painful? Nope. Um, now, the enemy will lie to you and say what you're going through is painful, what you're going through, there's no purpose in it, and what you're going through, you're not doing anything. You know, uh, Don't believe the enemy's lies. Because when you're waiting upon God, it's never passive, it's never purposeless, and it's never painful, painful. And if you are going through something painful today and you're waiting through it, I guarantee you there's purpose in the pain. And God wants you to share with someone else to bring somebody else comfort. Here's three truths about waiting. Truth one, two, and three. Waiting is about hope. Waiting is about joy. And waiting is about love. And I, I tell you, you know, I go back to where I was talking about when, when Jarek was born. Um, and I waited nine months for him to get here. And then we, we've, you know, Taya had little spells where she was having contractions and then we went to the doctor and we got sent back home and I was like, oh God, it's not happening today, you know, and, and, and we finally, the, finally the day came where it happened and she had Jarek, but I, but I, they wouldn't let me back there to see them and it was driving me bonkers and I wasn't very good at waiting in the waiting room and this is so funny because I kept going up to the head nurse who was at the table, I said, when can we go back there? Is she okay? Baby okay? Yeah, everything's fine, Mr. Haney. You just need to wait. Need to wait patiently. And I'm like, I want to go back and see my daughter and my grandson. And, uh, and finally, it's funny because when we finally got back there, there was a nurse that told Taya, she goes, there's a man out there that is basically driving us nuts to get back here. And Taya told him, well, that's probably my dad. And it was. Told you I'm not a good waiter. But, but I'll never forget that. That I was reliving that this morning is why that's so fresh on my mind because I can remember that waiting period of that nine months. I, I was so hopeful, so full of joy, and so full of love and just could not wait. And God wants us to do that with anything when we're waiting upon God is wait with hope, wait with joy, and wait with love. So I'm going to give you seven things, like I said, because um, every one of us in here as Christians, as believers, we're waiting. We're waiting on the Lord. 
maybe a small W that we're waiting on. Like I said, we're all waiting on the big W to happen. But in these, so when I share these, every one of these can apply to a small W or a big W. And so what are we waiting for? Here's number one. We're waiting for rescue. And uh, when you're waiting on God, you're waiting for God to rescue from something to something, whatever. And there's lots of examples through Scripture. I'm just going to give a, a couple. One of them was Joseph, and he was waiting on God to rescue him from prison. He was wrongfully charged of everything. He was in prison in the Bible, and I'm not going to go back. You can read this in the book of Genesis. But Joseph, uh, one of the things that happened, and he learned a valuable lesson, is you don't put your trust in man, you put your trust in God. And the Bible says that he interpreted the cupbearer's dream, and he told the cupbearer, he said, when you, when you get up there to Pharaoh, remember me. And the Bible says he forgot about him for two years. So he stayed two more years in prison because this dude forgot him. And Joseph learned a valuable lesson through that two-year process is don't put your hope in man, put your hope and trust and faith in me. And so that's, and then the children of Israel is another great example of getting rescued at the Red Sea. They had to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord at the Red Sea. I love the King James Version because it says, with the blast of his nostrils, God parted the sea. That's a mighty sneeze. Amen. And the, the water just parted. They, there was no scientific explanation for it. God did it. And they walked, the Bible says they walked around on, on dry ground. And the, wall, the walls of the water were walled up on both sides when they did it. Whew, gives me chicken skin just thinking about it. All right, Psalms 40, verses 1 through 2 is the scripture that goes with this. And this is King David talking about being rescued. And he says in, in uh, verses 1 and 2 of Psalms 40, he says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He rescued me. And I love whenever he didn't tell him what it, exactly it was because we've all been in pits and, and miry bogs. Amen. And he said, the Lord rescued me from that because I waited patiently for him and he inclined to me and heard my cry. Okay, here's another thing that we're all waiting for. We're waiting on promises. Maybe you, and I encourage you, whatever you have need of, find a promise in the word of God and stand upon it. And speak it and pray it over yourself. Whether it's financially or healing or whatever it is and watch God do his work but you're going to have to wait patiently and these are the promises and this is 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20 for all the promises of, our, of God find their yes in him that is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory and that's where we say all of God's promises are yes and amen and they are now you may have to wait Look at somebody say, you may have to wait. <laughs> Caden, you may have to wait. It's because we all, I like picking on my nephews. I'm sorry. I just saw him sitting over there. Is you may have to wait because we live in a, a society of drive throughs and microwaves. And God is not, God, God's not even a Traeger. God is the most, the Traeger grill. He's the most slowest cooking thing there is, Okay. God, it's just, you're just waiting upon like, God, you know, I would love a microwave situation right here. And God's like, Mark, won't you just wait? Yeah, I just want you just wait. Just wait. And I'm just going to give you some people that waited in Scripture. Because if you're waiting, you're in good company this morning. Abraham 
waited 25 years for his promise to come to pass. Joseph, who we just talked about, he waited 17 years for his dream and promise to come to pass. And David, King David, who we just read about in Psalms 40, he waited 15 years for his word from God to come to pass. So you may have to wait. You may have to wait. And it's okay, because if you wait, God is doing a deep work within you. And what's going on on the inside of you is you're growing in the Lord and you're maturing. You're growing up. And I'm going to tell you something else about God and his promises so that you, I've, I've had to share this with somebody in my life that I minister to a lot because they'll, they're believing God for things and then things don't happen and things don't go right and all this and then they start doubting God. And they let the enemy come in and say, God, did God really say that? Did God really? And I'm going to tell you this. Numbers 23, verse 19. This is a good scripture for you to remember. God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? You've got to know that, that God don't lie. If God told you something, he's not going to lie about it. He does not lie. What are we waiting for? We're waiting for salvation. And some of you might say, no, by gosh, I'm saved. Okay, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm not going to argue with you. You're saved. But here's the deal. We're all waiting on salvation. Let me explain this, okay? First John 3, verse 2 says, Beloved, we are God's children now, which we are, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. One of these days, every one of us in here is going to have a new body. We're going to be just like Jesus. We're going to live eternally with him. We're saved right now, but we're not yet, but not yet. <laughs> We're saved, but not yet. And I like to put it this way. Salvation is both now and not yet. We are saved, which means we're justified. We're saved right now. We are being saved, which is sanctification. Every one of us in here, if you're saved, you're being saved as well because the Holy Spirit is working on you. And that's called sanctification. It's also another good word is consecration. We need more Christians to start consecrating themselves to the Lord so that the Holy Spirit can can do the sanctification, do the work on the inside and make us more like Jesus. And everybody said. And then it says, and we will be saved, which is glorification. That's the day when we receive our new bodies in heaven. Okay? So justification, sanctification, and glorification. That's the salvation process. We're all, if you know Jesus, you're in that process. And he's using, but you, you can... You can grow in the Lord really fast if you will submit your will to him. But a lot of times we got so much pride that we got to get out of the way and our own willpower and all those things. Growth comes through surrender to the Lord. The Bible says this. What are we waiting for about salvation? In uh, I believe it's in 2 Timothy chapter 3 where it talks about that there's going to be scoffers in the last days. And I'm going to tell you what a scoffer is. A scoffer is people who are not waiting on the Lord. Bottom line. They just don't know Jesus and they're not waiting on the Lord's return. So that's a scoffer. And you're going to be seeing more and more scoffers. Even in 2024, as we go into 2024, you're going to be hearing about it on the news, social media, everywhere. More and more scoffers do not believe them because they are not waiting on the Lord. And everybody said, amen. Okay, here's another thing. What are you waiting for? I'm waiting for justice. I did a uh, funeral here a few weeks ago for an older lady, and she lived a great life, was in her 80s, um, great Christian woman. It was one of those, 
one of those memorial services that are, I like to say this, is easy to do because it was a celebration of life. She's in heaven. She's with the Lord. But still up there and watching her family sit down in the front rows grieving because she's not here anymore, um, it makes, it, I, I, I can't describe it, but when I do a memorial service, uh, this righteous anger comes up within me because it's not, it, it's not supposed to be that. I was never called to stand over caskets and do a, f- a funeral. Because in the Garden of Eden, we were to live forever. It was through the fall of man that death came. And so I'm looking forward for the, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 that the last enemy that's going to be destroyed is death. I can't wait for that to happen. And so I'm ready for that justice to take place. And Micah 6 8 is a great scripture because it tells us how we're to live as Christians. It says, he has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice. Everybody say, do justice. This means do the right thing, do justice, and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. And if you're in a situation to do justice, do it in the Lord's name. Amen. Jade and I watched a a film this week, and it's a a Christian film, and I encourage you to watch it. Um, Don't let your kids... Watch it, please. This is for adults only, but it's called The Sound of Freedom, and it's, and it's a movie about um, human trafficking, and I and it was, it's a, uh, the guy that plays Jesus in The Passion of the Christ, he's, he's the one that, that, that stars in this movie. It's a great movie. It's based on a true story, but it talks about uh, sex trafficking of, of children, and, and I told Jada when we first started it, because we had other Christians tell us, you need to watch this movie, you need to watch this movie. And I was told Jada, I was like, I don't know if I can watch this. And she was the same way. And, um, and we watched it. And I'm telling you what, what I'm talking about, what are we waiting for? Justice? That was coming. I was like, Lord, this is not to be happening to kids. This is sick. And then at the end of the movie, they're, they're teaching you things in, throughout this movie it's based on a true story. At the end of the movie, they say the largest consumer of human trafficking is America. From the top down. And it starts at the top. And I, and I, I was just, I'm telling you, I had a, and I told Jade, I was like, I, well, as we was watching the movie, I, was told, I got up and took a get a drink because I had to just get up for a second. And I told her, I said, I'm, a, I'm fixing to turn into the machine gun preacher. You know, because that's what was coming over me. Because of seeing what was happening to these children. And, um, and it's, I'm not going to spoil the movie for you if you haven't seen it, but I encourage you to see it because we all need to get involved in that one and to stop that, that justice needs to be, take place there. But, as I, but it, in that process, I'm going to tell you, you know, when I told you I wanted to be the machine gun preacher, I'm going to tell you what true biblical justice is, though. True biblical justice is about the, this, uh, the Hebrew word shalom. Everybody say Shalom. Jewish people, they say that to each other, shalom, kind of like hello. They'll even say it, hello, they'll even say it when they, the goodbye, shalom. And that, that word means peace, but that it's not only just peace, it's a, it encompasses peace, blessedness, well-being, prosperity, health, everything, that one word, shalom. What it, and so true biblical justice is when God, when God alone is obeyed, and worshiped, and shalom can come to the earth. That's what true biblical justice is. True biblical justice is not machine gun preacher. <laughs> All right? And uh, because the best way to wait on justice is to wait on the Lord. Amen? 
because there are some people in this world that their day is coming. Their day is coming. And as Isaiah 30, verse 18 it says, For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. And so that's the scripture for justice. Here's the next thing that we're waiting for. Number five is grace. I'm going to tell you, whenever you're waiting upon God, whether it's the little W or the big W, you need God's grace. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10, this is where the Apostle Paul, he had prayed three times for the Lord to remove something. And there's a lot of debate amongst theologians and scholars and all this, what it was. And I love it that the Lord just leaves it open for interpretation because we all have things that we have pleaded with God to remove. Amen? Take this away. And so it says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So the Apostle Paul is saying that God's, when we're waiting, that God's grace is sufficient for you any time that you're waiting. Here's the next thing that we're waiting for, waiting on forgiveness. Forgiveness is a lot like salvation. It does happen now. Right when you ask for forgiveness, it happens right then, but we're still all waiting for it. Because I believe by faith I have been forgiven. But one day my forgiveness and my faith is going to be made sight. And I'm going to see Jesus in heaven. And if, you know, I was thinking about this forgiveness, and, and if anybody had a problem with feeling, you know, there's, how many of you in here, there's some days you just don't feel saved, and you don't feel forgiven? I'm going to tell, I, there, there's been days for me, I know that I'm saved, but then there's days that I just, man, I don't feel saved today. I don't feel forgiven. I need to repent, and I need to get baptized all over again. You know, and there's just those days that, 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 that it happens and I was thinking about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, if you know his story, he killed Christians before he became Paul. When he was Saul, he killed Christians. And he was at the stoning of Stephen. And I believe that that was when something happened in the, in the Apostle Paul, what is now the Apostle Paul, that turned him to the Lord. But he had to live with that. And, he's the, and he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And he had to live with that cloud that I, I actually killed people that knew Jesus. And in Philippians 3, verses 13 and 14 of the scriptures I want to read, because a lot of times we, we read this, but we don't know what was going on in the Apostle Paul's heart. He says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it on my own, or made it my own. He's talking about, um, I'm not all that in a bag of chips, guys, and, I, and I'm a sinner just like anybody else. And, by, and the Bible even says the Apostle Paul called himself the chief of sinners. He says, I know I'm forgiven, but I also know I'm a sinner at the same time. And, and he goes, and I need Jesus every day, every moment of the day. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal, the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He says, but I also know that God called me to be an apostle to the Gentiles, and that's what I press forward to, to leave the past behind. Quit letting, quit letting the past haunt you. You have been forgiven. Let 2024 be the year that you really put it in the past and move on instead of keep bringing it up because all you're doing is, is you're just playing right in the enemy's hands when you do that. And everybody said amen. And here's the big W, what we're all waiting on. Number seven is we're waiting on Christ's return. 
In Titus 2, verse 13, it says, Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the, of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what we're all waiting on. And it's going to happen soon, guys. And you need to be ready. And the last, the last scripture, and this is our scripture for the day, is Isaiah 40, verse 31. Jada was reading this one to me as we came in this morning. But they who wait for the Lord, listen to this, if you're good at waiting, if you're good at waiting or waiting well, you're going to learn how to renew your strength. You're going to learn how to mount up with wings like eagles. You're going to learn how to run and not be weary. You're going to learn how to walk and not faint. If you learn how to wait well. Look at somebody and say, we're going to learn how to wait well. <laughs> Amen. I want everyone to bow your heads in here this morning. And I just want to make sure before we leave today and we go and celebrate, you know, the going out of 2023 and the, the coming in of 2024, I just want to make sure that everybody here under the sound of my voice knows Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Even those that are watching online and those that will be listening to this on the radio. And it's a very simple process uh, to ask Jesus in your heart. The Bible says in Romans 10 that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You don't have to sign a church membership role or any of those things. It's just the Bible says you need to call upon him. Call upon him and then you'll be saved. And then you don't have to clean up your act before you come to the Lord. The Holy Spirit will start working on you and doing that. What I, the, this is the justification part. And then the Holy Spirit comes and starts doing the sanctification part. So what I want the honor and the privilege to do is to lead you in a prayer that gives a voice to what's going on in your heart and of you accepting Jesus into your life. And so I want to lead you in this prayer. And even if you are saved, I want you to repeat this prayer with them. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I believe you are the Son of God. And you died on the cross for me and rose again on the third day. Please forgive me of my sins and create a clean heart in me. Renew my spirit so I can hear your voice. I accept you as my Savior. You are my Lord. Thank you for saving me. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. If that's the first time you've prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, I want to welcome you to the family of God. And your very next step of obedience is following the Lord in water baptism. And we can do that right here. That's a, we call that the holy hot tub because we can heat it up. And we can do that next Sunday and start the year off right if you'd like to do that. So you just let me know about that, okay? So I want everybody to stand up. I'm going to speak a blessing over you. It's good to see everybody this morning. Jada, will you come up here? And um, this blessing, and I know I've told most of you here to know about this blessing, but it's Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. And this is an extended version of that blessing in the Bible. And in Numbers chapter 6, when you study about this blessing, God said, says, when you speak this blessing, and so I encourage you to do this at home with your own families. Numbers 6, verses 24 through 26 is the, the short version of it. But whenever you speak this blessing, the Bible says that you're actually putting his name upon your family. And so as your pastor, when I speak this over you, I'm actually putting God's name upon you. You're walking out here being his representative. Amen? All right. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you and may the Lord give you his peace. May the Lord bless your going out and your coming in today. 
May the Lord anoint you to fulfill the divine destiny that God has given to you. May everything that is brought against you be crushed by the protection that God himself shall provide. May you be blessed in your health. May you be blessed in your relationships. May your children and your children's children be blessed because they are the heritage of the righteous. From this day forward, as you submit yourselves to the Christ of the cross, may your lives be filled with joy that is unspeakable and full of glory and with peace that surpasses all understanding. May your home, as the word of God says, be as the days of heaven on earth. In Jesus' name we pray and ask it. And everybody said, Amen. Hug somebody's neck and say, Happy New Year. This is the year of the open door.